Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Discipleship Minister Sloan Stevenson joins us today to continue our series, Fan Favorites. Sloan teaches us through the story of Samson on what happens when we give in to temptation and how God offers us a better way. Now, let's hear from Sloan. All right, glad that y'all are here this morning. Glad to be with you. Um, we are going to be looking at a familiar passage this morning over the story of Samson. And what I want to do this morning is I want to start at the end. So I know Frazier's got this, but in Judges chapter 16, close to the end, it says this. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and rejoiced. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand the ravenger of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them and they made him stand between the pillars. And so in this moment that we step into is Samson, the strong man of the Bible, the, uh, the superman of the Bible, if you would, we find him defeated. And if you've grown up in church at all, there's part of knowing the story or depending um, of the jokes of the songs of Hey There, Delilah. But what we get is, well, how do we actually reach this point where we find Samson, God's man, defeated, bound, and that the enemies of God are getting to make fun of him and make fun of our God? And so as we were getting ready for this, I sent uh, these passages into the Justins. And one of them replied and said, oh, so we're going through the whole book of Judges today. I said, almost. And the other one responded and said, well, you got to remember, Sloan's probably just a fan of a self-centered, womanizing drunk. <laughs> What's funny is, whichever Justin you think sent specific messages, it's backwards. Um, but this morning, here's what we're going to do, is looking at the story of Samson, looking at this familiar story. We're in this series, Fan Favorites. And we're looking at the story of Samson because I think Samson's story is helpful for us in seeing what happens when we give in to temptation of this world and how God both redeems and offers us a better way. So as a kid, I loved going to the county fair. In Arkansas, the county fair was a huge deal uh, because maybe once a year you might get to go to Branson, Missouri to actually go to an amusement park. But other than that, you look forward to the county fair. At the county fair, there are rides that are not safe for children nor any other man ever. But my parents would put me on them because they're like, he'll be quiet and he'll have a great time. And so I remember as a kid, I would ride these roller coasters and I thought they were the coolest thing. They'd start off kind of slow. It'd have that build up. You'd tick, 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 tick. There'd be one big drop and then you'd be done. And then you'd hop back in line and do it all over again. And oftentimes, that's how we view stories. You have the, you have the introduction, you have your exposition, You've got your rising action, you've got your climax, you've got your fallen action conclusion. However, life doesn't work that way. Instead, life works much more like, um, I wouldn't say Six Flags over Texas, because that's also kind of a nasty place where you shouldn't put your kids on those rides. But you go to a real amusement park with a real roller coaster. It's going to shoot you off right at the beginning at 100 miles an hour. You feel the wind in your face. You forget where your stomach is. 
dips, dives, turns, and it keeps going, right? You keep going from major dips to major rises, major dips, and then all of a sudden you just have this hard stop. And that's much more how we see Samson's story go. And as we look at it today, what we're going to see is that for Samson, he doesn't have a basic story of a rise, climax, and fall, but instead, Samson seems to be this roller coaster of a man who can't ever seem to get it together, who keeps giving himself over to temptation, but despite him, we see God keep using him. And so here's what I want to do this morning with this idea of a roller coaster is we're going to look at a couple of the rises and falls of Samson's life. And so we're going to start with Samson's origin stories in Judges chapter 13. Scripture says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So pause. The story of Judges is the nation of Israel failing to be who God has called them to. And instead, what happens is God keeps raising up judges through the book to remind the people of Israel and defend them from their enemies. So they went into the promised land, didn't conquer everyone like they were supposed to, and different groups of people, specifically the Philistines, keep coming back and keep causing problems for God's people. And so God comes to this family and says, hey, I am going to give you a son who is going to be Israel's champion over the Philistines. And God promises to bless this family. But notice this calling from Samson, that he shall begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Not that he will fully do it, but he will begin to save the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. And so skip down to verse 24. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him in Mahana between Zorah and Istel. So Samson is born and blessed by the Lord, and then he begins to grow and be blessed by the Lord. But then we get to Samson's first drop in chapter 14. So Samson went down to Tina, and at Tina he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. And then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Tina. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. And so the first drop we see from Samson is we notice this phrase, It was right in his eyes. Samson's letting his eyes tell him what he wants, forgetting what his parents have taught him, what he has learned as an Israelite, what's been commanded. All the way back in Deuteronomy, God gives the command to the people of Israel, do not marry foreign women because they will have you turn to their gods and turn away from me. The command for all of Israel was to not marry these foreign women. And God's champion man for 
the Israelites is going, yeah, I don't care. She looks good. She's hot. Dad, go get her. And you see his dad go, what? No, what are you doing? And he goes, no, 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 she looks right to me. Go get her. And so the question for us is how often is it that what we see and what's right in our eyes is what we go after even if it goes against what God has commanded and called us to? How often do we let, whether it's a job or a situation, go, hey, that looks right, I'm going to pursue after that even if that's not what God has called me to? Or that's not what God has asked me to. Or outright, God has said, hey, don't do this. But I go, well, it looks, looks right to me, so let's, let's go. And so that's the first drop we see of Samson. But then we see this climb. This is where we get to see strong man Samson. Judges 14, verse 5. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Tenah, and they came to the vineyards of Tenah. And behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. And so right after this drop of Samson going, hey, I see this beautiful Philistine woman, I want her, mom and dad, go get her for me. On his way there, this lion comes to attack, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson, and he just rips it to pieces. Like, that's awesome. Barehanded like something that you'd see on some redneck wrestling show of a guy fighting a bear instead of Samson wrestling a lion. But notice, it's the Spirit of the Lord that rushes upon Samson. It was through God that Samson has these feats of strength. As we walk through Samson's story, it's this repetitive theme that we see that God, the Spirit of God comes upon Samson and he does amazing things for God. It's a reminder for you and I that when God does amazing, miraculous things through us, it's through us. That the Holy Spirit working in each of us through you and I, that we are able to do what God has called us to do. That it's not in our own strength or our own talents, but instead it's through a work of God. So right after this climb, we see another drop. So verse 7, Samson went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. So right after, God has mightily used Samson, has shown him, hey, here's the strength that I can give you to defeat the enemies of Israel. Right after Samson has this spiritual moment with the Lord, he gets out of it and immediately goes, yeah, but that woman's still hot. She's still right in my eyes. And he takes her for his wife. That despite God working, Samson still is allowing temptation to overtake him. He's still putting himself in positions to be tempted and tried and give in to his sin. And so the second drop that we see is this in verse 8. After some days, he returned to take her, this woman, for his wife, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Remember, this is the lion that he had shredded with his bare hands. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. And he scraped it into his hand and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave them some, and they ate. But he did not tell him that he had scraped the honey 
from the carcass of the lion. Now you might say, Sloan, that is not a drop. Samson was hungry, found something sweet. God had already provided. It was right out of the carcass of that lion he had shredded to pieces. The problem is Israelites, as part of the Jewish law, are not supposed to touch dead animals. Samson is a Nazarite, which means he takes that even further, that Nazarites weren't even supposed to be in the presence of dead animals. And mind you, Samson isn't a stranger to the fact that he's a Nazarite. He has this hair that's been uncut. His parents have raised him a Nazarite. But here we see Samson yet again breaking parts of the Nazarite vow. That he goes and goes, oh, here is something that is for me, it's sweet for me, it's appeasing to me. And what's worse is then we see Samson take it to his parents, leading them also into sin. And what we find is that sin can taste good. But just because something tastes good doesn't mean it's always good. It's like when your kid asks to eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It tastes good in a moment until they're in the bathroom throwing up because all they've had is ice cream all day long and they're sick to their stomach. What we see is Samson's downfall in looking at what tastes good leads him into disobedience and also leads others. That for you and I as men, we have to be mindful and on watch of what we're tempted by because our sin doesn't just affect us. It affects the people that we are entrusted to care for, whether that's family, whether that's friendships of other Christian community, whether that's groups and ministries that we lead, whether that's the impact and influence we have on those in the community as we seek to reach others with the gospel, that our sin has consequences for those around us. And that we have to be on watch even when things might taste well. And so then after this, Samson then gets him and his family go down and he marries this woman. And while he's there beforehand, there's this group of Philistines who are challenging Samson and they make this wager to try to trap Samson. Samson gives them this riddle that they can't solve. And so these guys, frustrated, they don't want to lose this bet with Samson. What they decide to do is they go to his wife and convince her, this Philistine woman, to give them the answer for Samson's riddle. And she caves and gives them the answer after she talks to Samson about it. And it causes Samson to lose this bet where Samson was supposed to win 300 garments. And Samson gets ticked. And Samson beats, he beats these men, steals their clothes, and then returns home. Again, doing what he's not supposed to do in the first place. Being where he's not supposed to be. And he lets instead his own pride and anger use his talents to attack and destroy. And so he goes back home. And during this time when he goes home, back to his parents, not his home to his wife, to his parents. During this time, his father-in-law goes, well, Samson's left. He must not want his wife anymore. I'll give him to the guy who was his best man in his wedding because that'll go over really well with the strong man of the Bible. So then we see this second rise of Samson. After these falls, after these 
plummets. We see this second rise that in Judges 15, after some days, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go to my wife in the chamber, but her father would not let him go in. And her father said, I really thought you utterly hated her. So I gave her to your companion. Is not her sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall not be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. And so Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches. And he turned them tail to tail and put torches between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain as well as the olive orchards. And so Samson finds out he loses his girl, and his reaction is, hey, I'm going to burn everything to the ground. And what's interesting is, Samson is being totally selfish. And yet he's still accomplishing what God has called him to in this moment. Despite Samson's own sin, God is using him to defeat the Philistines. Out of a broken man who is just fixated on this Philistine woman, and he's throwing a temper tantrum because he didn't get what he wanted, that God didn't want him to have in the first place. And God's still using him to defeat the Philistines. But then we get to what I think is the coolest part. We get this rise of what I consider to be the one-man army. So in verse 14, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him, and then catch this again. When Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes of his arms became like flax that had caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck a thousand men. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down a thousand men. Samson goes one-on-one with an entire army of the Philistines and defeats them, not fully geared up, not with a sword and spear, but with a donkey's jawbone. He goes and just annihilates a thousand Philistine men. And again, he's doing what God has called him to, to take down and fight the Philistines. But in the same moment of doing what he's supposed to do, he's still not operating how God has called him to. Scripture says he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. You know, previously in looking at photos and stuff, it's always Samson holding like an old wooden bone. But he's got a fresh jawbone that's from a recently dead donkey. He's again handling dead animals that God has called him not to do. He's still being sinful in doing what God has called him to. And for you and I, men, it's a reminder that when we be obedient to the Lord, there's no shortcuts. There's not a way for us to do what God has called us to, to honor him when we keep taking shortcuts to get around certain things that we don't like. There's, oh, well, it's, that's a small-ish sin. I can push this in the corner. I'm still doing what God has called me to do. I'm still leading out in this area well. I'm still doing this well. That's great. 
But God has called his people to holiness, to be set apart, to be distinct for the rest of the world to testify to who our God is. And what we see is Samson, while doing what God has called him to do, isn't doing it to full obedience. And this other tidbit, I noticed this right before we get to Samson's final fall. As we notice through this whole story, through all of Samson's narrative in Scripture, Samson is always by himself. We never see Samson with other Israelites fighting the Philistines. We see Samson operating alone. And it's the challenge for you and I, men, that to avoid becoming Samson. Part of that is realizing that the Christian life is not done alone, but instead is done in the context of Christian community. Whether that's a life group, whether that's an accountability group, whether that's being in some Bible study, you need other people. That's why we gather here on Tuesday mornings for men to be encouraged by God's Word together, for you to have relationships with other guys, to call them when things go bad. But what we see with Samson is he doesn't have that. He operates by himself, which leads to Samson's begin into his descent. Judges 16.1, this is Samson's third drop. He went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. And again, we see Samson using his eyes to guide his decisions. At no point until the very end do we ever see Samson interacting with the Lord. It's always Samson just going by his emotions or his eyes or just his desires of his own heart. And so then after Samson sleeps with this prostitute, then we get what we know is Samson's most famous downfall. Verse 4, after this he loved a woman whose name was Delilah. And lords of the Philistines came to her and said, Seduce him and see where his great strengths lie, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. That's a very nice way to say we're going to torture him. And we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So to shorten this, Delilah comes to Samson and goes, Hey, what's the source of your great strength? And Samson goes, If you would take seven fresh bowstrings, and wrap them around me. I'll become weak like any other man. Delilah does it. She goes, Samson, the Philistines are coming. He stands up, breaks them right off. Delilah's upset. She goes, you lied to me. You don't love me. Samson goes, no, I love you. I do. She's like, well, then tell me how to take on, or how I could take down your great strength. And he goes, well, if they bound me with new ropes that had never been used, I'll be weak like any other man. So Delilah does that again. He falls asleep at her house. She binds him up, says, the Philistines are coming. Samson gets up, rips him off again. Now he hasn't lied to her once. He's lied to her twice. Delilah's not happy. And she goes, why do you make fun of me? Why don't you love me? And then he goes, well, if you would, you know, I do love you. I'll tell you now. If you would weave the seven locks of my head into a web and fasten it with a pin, then I'll be weak like any other man. Again, Delilah does this. Samson's not too bright. He might be strong, but he's not smart. <laughs> Delilah does it again. Says the Philistines are coming. Samson gets up, ready to rock and roll. 
And then in verse 15, Delilah says to Samson, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she had pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. Three times, Samson has put himself in front of Delilah to be tempted and tried and seduced. And what we see from the story of Samson is True that when you play with fire long enough, eventually you get burned. The phrase that Delilah uses to Samson is, your heart is not with me. Whatever that sin is, men, you're in here struggling with this morning, sin demands your full allegiance. It's going to ask everything from you. Famous pastor once said, sin will always take you farther than you want to go. And it will settle for nothing less. Sin seeks to kill, steal, and destroy you. But what we see from Samson's story is that it's rarely one single event that leads to the downfall. Notice this whole time leading up to it, it's been Samson looking at Philistine women, being disobedient to God's call, continuing to pursue Philistine women, and this downward trek into his descent where he finally gives over the truth to Delilah. Then we see the plummet, verse 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her his whole heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. And then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands, and she made him sleep on her knees. And then she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill of the prison. And so here's the three things we see when it comes to the downfall of Samson. The three major things that Samson ignored that gets us to this point. He ignored his sin. He ignored God's power. And then thirdly, he ignored his calling. Samson ignored his own sin, as we see from all those plummets, of refusing to acknowledge where he's failing. He refused to acknowledge God's power because, again, every time he does something supernatural, it's the Spirit of the Lord rushing upon him. And when he was overtaken, it's because the Spirit of the Lord had left him. And then thirdly, it's because Samson ignored his calling. That from his birth, he was promised to be the one who would be overtaking the Philistines as a judge of Israel. And instead, all of Samson's story is him being selfish about his own life. Anytime he's overtaking the Philistines, it's due to his own selfish desires. Not for a call of holiness for the people of Israel. But the beauty is what we see is a hope in failure. Judges 16, verse 22. 
but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. That God always gives hope and grace to those who fall. That there is no sin more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ and the redemption that he offers. What we see at the end of verse 16, or chapter 16. And then Samson called the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. And so the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life. That Samson's final act of his life is bringing about the death of 3,000 Philistines. Of giving himself to what God had originally called him to. It just took him to get hit rock bottom to do it. And in his prayer, what we see is Samson acknowledge those three things. We see him acknowledge his sin, God's power, and his calling. And God uses Samson again. It's a reminder that God is never done with any of us despite failing, despite falling down. He picks us back up and goes, hey, there's, I'm not done. I've still got a purpose for you. I've still got a plan for you. Let's get back up. Let's get back in the fight. And so for us this morning is to offer this. The question of, do you want to fight the sin in your life? Jonathan Edwards had the saying, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And so the question this morning for us is, do you want to be fighting the sin in your life? And if so, the same thing that Samson needed to do is the same thing for us this morning is that we would acknowledge our own sin, we would acknowledge our own shortcomings, our own failures, that we would acknowledge the power of God that works in and through us to save and sustain, and that we would accept the calling God has given to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have some calling from God to do things for God. Whether that's leading out in your homes, whether that's teaching a life group, whether that's serving on a Sunday morning, or whether that's, catch this, being a good neighbor to those in your community. A lost art we've seemed to misplace in 2023. That we would be a good neighbor to be able to share the good news of the gospel with those around us. That's a calling for each and every one of us. But the question that comes up is, but what if I've already failed? And in the same way of Samson's story, of God not being done with Samson, just because you failed, that doesn't mean God is finished with you. The Apostle John writes this in 1 John. Here's where we're going to end our time this morning. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That no matter how much you've messed up, there is still grace, forgiveness, and mercy at the cross of Christ for you. And it gives you the ability to get back up for God to continue to use you. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for these men. And thank you for the story of Samson. And a reminder of 
despite great failure, you are still a great God. That you desire to use us despite our shortcomings and you invite us in to be obedient to you. You invite us in to be forgiven by you. And you invite us in to be used by you to do great things for your name and your fame, God. Would you use us as the men of Cottonwood Creek Church to further that, to see your gospel go forward, and to see restoration and reconciliation happen in our lives, in our families' lives, and in our community. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.